All right, joining me on the pod, joining me on the phone on the pod is a guy that's been on the show before. He has, um, you know, agreed to come back and talk to me about baseball. If there's anything, if anybody out there that I would want to talk Phillies baseball with, it's this man right here. He is the face of Phillies baseball in my world, which uh, you can take that in many different ways. Anyway, you can catch this guy uh, weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on the uh, – 94.1 WIP side of the radio in the Delaware Valley. He is the producer of the Marks and Reese show. And if you're not in Delaware Valley, just go up on the radio.com app and search 94 WIP. And he's also the brains and the voice behind the High Hopes pod. It is available anywhere there's pods. So go ahead and check that out. That's a really good listen. So Jack Fritz joins me. Jack, good evening. Thank you for coming back on, man. The face of Philly's baseball radio <laughs> is a lot of pressure to live up to, but... So Jack, so it's either it's between you and Howard Eskin, and Howard is slipping these days, man. I don't know if he knows what year it is anymore. So you've kind of taken over by default. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm giving him enough credit, man, because uh, I'm giving him actually too much credit. Uh, there was actually what was a time when it came to baseball for me. It was between you, Howard, and then Rob Ellis was sneaking in there. But Rob's kind of fallen back a little bit lately, in my opinion. So you, you're in there as number one, Jack. So congratulations. <laughs> what, what an honor. All right, Jack. We're sitting here on the evening of September the 24th. Uh, about an hour ago, the, the San Francisco Giants fell to the Colorado Rockies, thus placing the Phillies a half a game out of that final wild card spot in this COVID-shortened 60-game baseball season the Phillies are going to start a three-game series tomorrow down there in St. Pete against the Rays uh, a Rays team that's already clinched the AL East and potentially really I don't know if they're really caring to fight for that number one overall spot in the AL they may take a, a back seat they may rest some players but Jack did you think we'd be here do you think at 28 and 29 we'd be in this position at this point in the season Obviously, that's been the Achilles heel of this team all season long on an epic historical way. The fact that this bullpen has been so bad, epically bad, historic. I mean, I, can I not stress how bad they've been that they are actually still in this thing? What does that say mainly about Joe Girardi? Well, you know, it's funny because the conversation around Gabe was like he was holding back a 91 baseball game. I mean, people literally called him off season and told us that 
game cost them 10 games last year, which obviously is ridiculous. I mean, no manager has that much control over over day-to-day stuff with the baseball team. So, uh, like, Girardi, Girardi's been a little disappointed to the standpoint of not really his moves on the field. You know, there's just some questionable moves, but I've generally agreed with him for most of the season. But the, the, the part that's been disappointing for me from Girardi was, for example, like this last week, um, losing 3-4 to the Nationals, who don't really have anything to play for. And to see that team kind of come out flat was really disappointing for me, just because I thought I thought Girardi was going to get this team's level of intensity up. And I just haven't seen that. You know, it, it looked like the same team that had collapsed the last two Septembers, or had not shown up in the last two Septembers. So, um, you know, I, I don't, I can't blame him too much for the bullpen because the talent is that bad. But at the same time, I mean, they trade for guys with pretty track records, and they all got here and stunk. Yeah. I don't, I think that's ultimately on the pitcher. I don't think that's on the manager. Um, but it, it is, it is eye opening just how bad this bullpen has been. And, you know, people. People love to rip game and stuff, but and people love to rip this quote apart. But they did have the fourth most second half open air in baseball last year with way less talent than they have right now. So um, I guess you can take that for what it is, but it's it's a fact that this is now the second worst bullpen in the history of baseball. Yeah, that's that's pretty shocking. Yeah, no, it's very shocking. It's extremely sh- shocking, and it's it's more shocking to me that it. it it's not like it just happened in 2020. This has been a problem since 20. Well, I mean, well, God, it's since 2012 or since 2013. I mean, they they've never really got the bullpen back on track during the rebuild. They never really paid attention to it. And over the last two seasons, 18 and 19, obviously it was a glaring problem because they were in contention. And then the fact that they entered this off season, and I'm going to throw out a couple of names at you. Drew Storm, Bud Norris, and Francisco Liriano were all signed this past offseason. Now, they're all aging veteran relief pitchers. Now, I got it. it was, they were probably PR moves, and, and then eventually they were all cut for tax relief purposes and all that. But I cannot I, – I would take any of these three right now. Well, I don't know. I mean, Liriano definitely. Like, Liriano was a guy who was looking good at spring training and uh, – he was obviously let go up because they didn't want to pay him. Uh, Drew Storm, Drew Storm was just done. Like, he just didn't have anything left. He didn't even flash in spring training. But Norris, I agree with you. Um, but still, the fact that we have to have conversation about those three being an upgrade over the trades they made at the, at the trade deadline is insane. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all insane. I mean, to, 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 Try to sell to your fan base that you're really going to compete this year and it's a must-win year and, and all that, and then enter the season with that bullpen. I mean, it's, it's a slap in the face to, to the fan base. Now, let's, let's, let's back up a little bit, Jack. I want to I go back to October of 2019. I want to go back to the end of season, or maybe it was more of the, yeah, it was the end of season press conference when, um, and again, I'll throw Howard Eskin's name out there, when he basically confronted Clintac uh, and the puppet McPhail about the farm system being like, was it 29th best or worst, ranked 29th in all Major League Baseball, whatever that number is. Then um, they threw out some numbers to kind of counter that. But ball don't lie, Jack. It really doesn't. When you have such a void of talent, 
that are that's coming up. It's almost like what the Eagles are involved in now. They, they have no talent from within, and now they're going out to try to sign this aging talent, and it, it, it's creating that void. Ultimately, at the end of the day, Matt Clintac, is he ultimately responsible for the failures of the Phillies on the field? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, from having no depth to, like, like I, I believe in Mickey Moniak from the standpoint of I think he could be a, a starting caliber center fielder in the major leagues, so I think he's going to live up to being the number one overall pick. No, but the fact that you have to play him in left field <laughs> when you're trying to make a playoff run is embarrassing. I mean, yeah. he's not ready yet. No. He's, he's, not, he's not ready for the major leagues, so... That was embarrassing. I mean, he built literally this, this, the, again, the second worst bullpen in the history of baseball. He put together a good lineup, but really it was a bunch of no-brainers. I mean, Didi, Didi was a no-brainer signing. Bryce was a no-brainer. Didi was a no-brainer trade. Um, McCutcheon, I think, was a pretty smart signing. He unfortunately got hurt, and that kind of, uh, you know, hurt things for the sales. Um, but from a, from a lineup standpoint, like, they had a good lineup. Reese bounced back, which was nice to see. Kingery was a disaster this year. But overall, I mean, a lot was good, but it was a, a lot of no-brainers. And then the starting staff, you know, Wheeler was a smart signing. I'm actually shocked they didn't sign Madison Baumgartner. You know, that would have been that would have been more on brand for this game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, ultimately, he's they've tried to compete for three seasons, and they're 500. I mean, they're, they're a 500 baseball team. With a two hundred ninety-five million dollar payroll, like I, I can't believe the GM's gonna gonna last, even if this team makes the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I just he he is he is awful, awful at his job, and and for them to come out of a rebuild with having no money on the books and three top ten picks with without any really, I mean, bones a, a cornerstone. Uh, that's about it. I mean, Bones a Bones a legit blue blue chip talent, but um, like who else? Who else does he unearth as a blue chip talent? I like Hunter Howard a lot. Um, you know, but other than that, I mean, Hazley was taken ahead of Keston Hiora and Joe Adele, who are both better prospects and don't you know? I mean, Hazley's like a fourth outfielder. Um, uh, Bones obviously great, and then. The Moniac pick. Now, I think he did give the last two drafts. I, I, I like Bryson's style a lot, and I like Big Abel, but, you know, it's just, it's not good enough. And, you know, when the Phillies entered the rebuild in 2015, I mean, they had the high draft books, and they had no committed money on the books, and with the, with the owner that was ready to spend. And they've come out of it with a mediocre baseball team, which is infuriating. Absolutely infuriating, Jack Fritz. And also, I want to throw out two names at you. And then I want to talk about Mickey Moniak because you brought him up. But um, you know who I really miss out there tossing around the ball? It was almost like I never even seen him pitch. David Robertson. Now, you know, in his seven games and 6.2 innings of pitching in two years, um, it's almost like I never got to know the man. And, um, you know... (laughs) I guess he kind of just falls right in the line with all the great moves that were made by Mac Tech and, and company. Uh, of course, and we can talk about Sir Anthony Dominguez. Um, again, uh, we two years to identify you needed Tommy John surgery. Uh, so it, the list goes on and on. Mickey Moniak, you brought him up, Jack, and I want to talk about him for, for a second. I like, I, I like what Mickey Moniak has brought, you know, over the last couple of weeks, him being up there. 
Obviously, he's got some work to do. He looks like he's about 12. Uh, that's the first thing he needs to change. He needs to put on about 100 pounds of muscle. Number two. Now, the other night when he was up in that very critical situation against the Nationals, facing a full count, was there anybody on the free world other than Mickey Moniak that knew that it was going to be high heat outside the zone that they were going to throw at him at 3-2? I mean, was I was I completely missing that? Or he, he was looking swing. You could see it in his eyes on TV. He was, he was swinging no matter where that ball was. So that concerns me a little bit about him as the number one overall pick. Well, the thing is, and what's interesting is, I mean, like he came up and I think he walked like four or five times. And if you look at his minor league walk rate, it was like 5%. So he actually came up and, and showed a better eye than um, I was expecting. But yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, he's 22 and, He's a big I, 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 at least he's aggressive, you know. It's far too many times in that spot. You see, like, an Adam Hazley who just will watch a fastball down the middle. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he has he definitely has some work to do. I mean, that's for sure. But, you know, 22. And uh, I, I, if I put the other some good at bats, and as soon as he works on, you know, kind of launching within the strike zone. I think there's a decent player. I don't think he's going to be this unbelievable number one overall pick, but he's shown pretty good improvement in the last year. Um, and I think uh, the, the new Phillies minor league um, uh, development staff has really helped him, and I think they're going to help get the most out of him. So he uh, was in some encouraging signs, hit some balls hard. Um, the, the, the defense is usually really good. Unfortunately, he had to throw against Washington and then just play in left. So, um, and also, he's not really a left fielder. He's a center fielder. Right, so right, right, right. Maybe that's, that could attribute to it. But, yeah, I like, I like what I saw for the most part from Bonilla. I, I did too. And it's about time that he got up there. Um, and I hope it's I, – I hope it's I hope it's a trend that – I mean, they can rely on him next year. I know we're a million years away from next spring training, and there's probably going to be a thousand things that change about, about the team. But – Let's talk about the, the weekend. Uh, what do you believe is going to happen in Tampa? And more importantly, what do you believe is going to happen with the uh, Giants and the Reds? And at the end of the day, do the Phillies find themselves as one of the uh, two wild cards, or do they potentially find themselves as that number two seed in the, in the NL East? I mean, give me, I guess mathematically, what are your odds the Phillies are going to the playoffs by Sunday night? Give me a, give me a number. I'll say like forty percent. Okay. You know, I because uh, like there's just a there's just a part of me that still doesn't trust them, um, and maybe it's because we're coming straight off the national series, and I saw they showed up or didn't show up when I when they needed it and yeah. when the, the pressure was on. So maybe that's kind of kind of uh, clouding my vision a little bit. But like I, I was really disheartened with the first three games of the national series. And, uh, you know, I, I need to see some kind of fight this weekend. You know, I would love for them to make the playoffs. Um, my, my first, uh, you know, the, the thing I care the most about is Matt Klintak being fired. Like, if, if you gave me the, like if you gave me the choice of Matt Klintak being Matt Klintak coming back or the Phillies, like if the Phillies, I'd rather the Phillies miss the playoffs than Klintak come back. Like, if you gave me that that scenario, I would rather Klintak be fired than the Phillies make the playoffs. So. That's my first overall concern. My second overall uh, thing I want to see the most is like show up this weekend. You know, play like play with your hair on fire. You know, go out there with some energy. 
and, and, and don't don't just like fold. I mean, they, they, they folded the first three games of the National Series. They came back and did a great job on Wednesday night, but you know, it might have been too little too late. They might have squandered this opportunity. I want to see a team this weekend that looks like they care and looks like they want to be there. And then, yeah, like I, the Rays, even when they're not in it, I mean, they're, they're, they're already clinched. They really have nothing to play for. Like, their depth is still sick. Yeah. They're pitching Morton on Friday. Um, their bullpen is still nasty, and they're not going to sit them for the whole weekend. You know, they want to keep those guys fresh heading into the playoffs. So, yeah, like, I, the 80% raise might be better than the 100% Phillies at this point. So, point. Um, I, don't, I don't feel great about having to face a raise now. I think it's massive that... Uh, the Marlins are facing the Yankees. I mean, the Yankees still have stuff to play for, some seeding concerns, and uh, I think the, the Marlins should have a tough time there. Um, and then, uh, I, I mean, I'm worried about the Reds. Uh, you know, I think the Reds, they're, they're surging a little bit here, and they have a ton of talent on that team. Um, but, yeah, you know, I just have this feeling that they'll win two of three, then they'll lose a tiebreaker or something. Like, something's going to go wrong. Yeah, and I guess the um, Marlins are currently in a ring delay down there in Hotlanta with the Braves right now. Um, I think they're getting ready to start the game again. But you're right; uh, the Reds scare me too. And I ain't gonna, I mean, I don't. I'm not really scared or concerned about the Giants. I think that the Gabe Kapler effect will take over and they'll they'll fade away. But um, so you wake up Monday morning. Uh, well, let's backtrack. So we got what I'm what I'm tracking for the pitching matchups uh, that the Phillies are going to send out there. Vince Velasquez is going tomorrow, and Zach Wheeler on Saturday, and an unknown starter on Sunday. Is that? Well, I think it's going to be it's going to be Nola on Sunday. Okay. Um, yeah, that's just they're going to have to pitch him on Sunday to try to get in. Um, so yeah, I mean Velasquez is actually you know I'd rather have Velasquez out there on Friday than Arietta. I mean I know Arietta has been I mean Arietta is obviously hurt right now, but I, Velasquez has pitched pretty decently the last couple starts, so I don't feel terrible about him. Um, I wish you had to go against Charlie Morton, though. That's for sure. Yeah. Now, what does that do for a potential first-round playoff series that would start on, I don't know, Wednesday, Wednesday if we are the eighth seed against the Dodgers? I mean, have, is somebody going on three days rest? Is uh, they turn Wheeler around? I mean. No, nah, I, 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 I legitimately think it would be excellent. I think, I think they're throw excellent game one. Uh, excellent's obviously pitched really well recently. and uh, yeah, and then hopefully you steal one and you can go from there. But yeah, I think I think I think Zach Aslan will be your game of the starter. I really do. And that are all three of those games at once? I mean, is it in Dodger Stadium? If that happens, is it all three games there, or are they going to travel back and forth across country? You know, I don't know. I don't know. Well, no, no, no. they're going to be in a bubble. They're going to bubble up. So I think it's either going to be in. And I think it's going to be San Diego or Texas. So. Oh, we're going to New. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't they're, know that. They're bubbling up for the playoffs. Okay. Just so everyone can be in uh, the same spot. Okay. okay. Yeah, it should be interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's going to suck without fans. I mean, you're a hockey <laughs> fan. I'm a baseball fan. I mean, you can just, like, the crowds of our respective sports in the playoffs, just it just raises the intensity level that you don't see during the regular season. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna really miss the crowd reactions this postseason. Uh, it's, gonna, it's gonna be a real shame, and 
you know, hopefully the Phillies are a part of it. So, Jack, you bring that up, and, you know, growing up, and even in my 20s and 30s, there's nothing like the atmosphere or the sounds or or just that, you know, autumn baseball, the playoff baseball, the fans. You're right. They're, they're so, like, that whole, like, experience um, to me makes – you know, playoff baseball, probably one of the top I, – I mean, I'm a big fan of playoff baseball, the final, you know, the NCAA tournament, all, all that stuff. But when I think of fall and nights in the fall, I think of playoff baseball in the World Series. I, I don't know, man. It's just it, not seeing that this year or not experiencing that this year, regardless of the Phillies are in or not, it, it, it's, just, it's just odd. You know what I mean? It, it, it takes a lot away from it. Uh, that's just kind of how I feel about that. Yeah, it's just like it's so, it's so funny about baseball and regular season is that it's like it's so slow and methodical and yeah you know that you're at the ballpark and you'll like step away for two innings and go grab a hot dog and a beer and then come back and you're just like what happened oh nothing much or there's a homer or whatever and then playoff baseball starts every pitch and it's like yeah and it's like oh my god I'm nervous on every single pitch and that's one thing that. You know, in watching all these sports, and even the, like even the Flyers during the run that they were on this year, but then you know, Sixers and playoff basketball, it's like you know, it just none of it feels real. Like none of it feels the same. You know, they're, they're sure it was playoff hockey and it was it was semi intense, but unless there's fans in the crowd, there's just there's just there's just not the same level of intensity because. You know, you can't see these players fold under pressure or the crowd. Like, that that part of it made it fun. And, and having the home field advantage and all that, home life advantage. Like, I, I, I just think that, you know, the, the, the Flyers, for example, their run was fun. The city was pretty into it. But I think that if, if there was fans at the Wells Fargo Center and they were winning these overtime games, like, it would have felt way, way, way bigger and that's what I fear about playoff baseball. You know, I just it won't really have the same feel because there won't be fans in the stands, and it's a it's a shame. And hopefully next year we can get them back. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully next year. I mean, yeah, I can't go another year without going to games. Jack, if I were to wake up from a coma and I was like in a coma for like a year, I went into the coma the last in the World Series last year, and I woke up today. How would you sum up? the COVID 2020 baseball season to me to this point? Um, well, uh, honestly, like the, the best teams are kind of the best teams. I mean, the Marlins are surprising. Um, the Gage Giants are surprising. Uh, but I mean, overall, I mean, the Dodgers are amazing. The Rays are amazing. The Yankees started off slow, but they rounded into form here. They had a little meltdown a couple weeks ago, but they, they, bounce back um you know it's, it's been weird without fans for sure and i don't know like it, it's it's been 60 games it's been a sprint but it's still the phillies somehow managed to to fit 162 games of pain into, into 60 games which is impressive um but yeah it's it's, it's been interesting and it's uh i mean i honestly i think being a phillies fan during this 60-game run is, like, probably the worst team to have rooted for. I mean, I, you're rooting for the second-worst bullpen in the history of baseball. So I wouldn't wish I wouldn't wish rooting for this Phillies team on my worst enemy. Um, 
So if you were in a coma, I would not endorse you maybe rooting for the Phillies. Maybe choose the uh, the Rays and the Dodgers. But uh, if you did enjoy the Phillies this season, I mean, that, I, I guess that's uh, your English part. Are the, uh, are the Chicago White Sox the San Diego Padres for real? The Padres are definitely real. I mean, they, they straight up rake. I mean, they, top to bottom, I mean, it's, it's the Dodgers, them, us, um, you know, up there with the, with the best lines in the NL. I mean, Tatis has slowed down a little bit, and I need him to pick it up a little bit because I own him in fantasy and I'm in the championship this week. So I need, I need Tatis to kind of go back on one of those little Tatis runs. But Machado... <laughs> Like, no one's talked about Manny no, Machado. No, not at all. I mean, he's batting, like, 315, um, just, like, putting up superstar stats and and uh, really solidifying himself as the $300 million man. And, like, no one talks about him. Like, no one talks about Manny Machado at all. So, um, yeah, I think the Padres are great. And they kind of fix that bullpen a little bit um, with, with some of the deadline moves they made. And, unfortunately, Clevenger got hurt yesterday, so... That stinks. And then the White Sox, the White Sox kind of remind me of that, you know, like the 15, 16 Cubs. Like so much young talent. Uh, they have a guy like Keiko who's been there before. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see once, once I guess to the playoffs what the young talent can do. Um, but Tim Anish is a great guy to have on your team. Keiko's a great guy to have on your team. Pretty inexperienced pen. Uh, Colin is pushing a lot of big games, but I mean, they, they destroyed the baseball too, so I, I, I'm more believer in the Padres than the White Sox, but both teams definitely feel real. And the 2020 World Series will be played between who? Braves and Dodgers, baby. And I mean, I, I, the Rays are built for this. You know, they have the starting staff. It's, it's good. Um, last now in a postseason, it's just going to be really, really tough to square up. And then when you have that bullpen, I mean, it's just stupid. I mean, they have so many guys that can just come out and get out. So it's not even just tower guys. You know, they have Aaron Luke, who the Phillies, who the Phillies had a couple years ago. He's yep. good for that. Like, like, it's just, they have guys that can do so many different things. I mean, they're, they're so deep and talented that they, they're the first team in Major League Baseball to start a game for only lefty hitters. Like, that's, that's crazy for, for, for a major league baseball team. So um, I'll go raise Dodgers, and I think that'd be a really fun World Series. Um, it's just going to, the, the, the eight teams, I think, is a sham. And I hope, I, it's unfortunate that they're probably going to do it next year, but there's going to be some really fun matchups in this year's postseason. I agree. No, I agree. And who wins, Rays or Dodgers? I think it's a Dodgers year, you know, it, and. They, they they win the sixty game season. They trade for Mookie, um, and they they finally get it without any fans in the stands. It would be, yeah. it'd be unbelievable. You know, Dodgers have been the class of the NL for a decade now. They've had so many chances at the World Series, and for them to have to win it, you know, for the first time since what eighty eight, um, without without fans in the stands, stink for them. But it just feels it just feels right. Yeah, I you know the Dodgers are the team that's just been kind of scratching and clawing. Well, I mean they've been the team of the last few years. And you're right, I think that uh, I think that it is finally their year. And you're, I mean anybody who wins it this year is just real. I, it, there is an asterisk if you ask me because there's no fans there. But um, let's get back home a little bit, Jack, and we're back. Um, what? 
I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a trade out at you. Uh, 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 what I believe is the worst Phillies trade in history, and I want you to uh, I, I want you to comment on what I want to say afterwards. In 1982, the Phillies dealt uh, a very aging Larry Boa to the Chicago Cubs, along with a prospect, a guy named Ryan Sandberg, and they traded him for Yvonne De Jesus. Now, Yvonne De Jesus would go on to play um, shortstop and bat eighth in our lineup for about eight years and bat about 230 with no power and uh, be really just a bust. And, of course, we all know Ryan Sandberg would go on to the Hall of Fame and, and do, uh, what, the greatest Cub of all time. In 2019, the Phillies executed a trade with the Miami Marlins. They sent a young prospect pitcher by the name of Sixto Sanchez and a catcher named Jorge Afaro, along with a pitcher named Will Stewart and some money, international signing money, for JT Real Muto. There's a potential that JT Ramuto is playing in his final three games as a Philly. If that is the case, Jack Fritz, does that trade replace that 1982 trade in Philly's history? Well, I mean, at least JT's good. You know, at least JT blossomed into the best catcher in baseball here. Um, but yeah, I guess, I guess this would be my generation's Stanford trade. You know, I mean, all the old Philly fans in my life 